Good morning, Marshall students, and welcome to another episode of NBA's Unplugged. I am your host, Fedge McDermott, and let's jump into today, Saturday, April 25th. Uh, so no pro- no announcements from the program officers today, and we only have one announcement from uh, clubs right now, which is the BEA and Quib Netflix party uh, for female empowerment movie night. So this is obviously a joint venture by BEA and the Graduate Women in Business Club. And BEA is delighted to announce Gwib as Best Supporting Actress for its next weekly Netflix party, Female Empowerment Movie Night. Please vote for the female empowerment film that you want to watch and get ready to rock the patriarchy from the comfort of your couch, bed, or pillow fort in the living room. For those unfamiliar with Netflix Party, it's a free Google Chrome browser extension that lets you play and chat about movies, series, at the same time as your friends. So it's kind of like a movie night, but with a social distancing twist. Uh, that's it for those club announcements, and so this is going to be a really short one, I guess. So leading into today's uh, interview, we have a pre-recorded one dating back a couple weeks ago with Priya Gupta, so we will now head on over to that segment of the show. Enjoy. And now moving on to the guest portion of today's podcast episode, I want to welcome a friend of mine who is an international student from India who happens to be in Core B, uh, <laughs> Priya Gupta. How are you doing? Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing as well as I can be out here on the East Coast. Uh, oh, loving it, but the weather is definitely not LA weather, so I definitely <laughs> am missing that at this point. Absolutely. LA is beautiful, sunny and shiny right now. I love the weather here. It's it great. just sucks that we're all stuck inside, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the weather is the only thing that uplifts my mood these days. Otherwise, I'm just inside in my balcony doing my own thing. That's fair. I mean, it's been pretty like gloomy out here this entire week out. So yeah, I, I can definitely relate. If it was sunny, I'd probably feel a little bit better right about now, but yeah, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get those sunny days eventually. So <laughs> I look forward to them as soon as they can. How, how have your first two weeks been of, I guess, quarantine learning? I think it's been pretty exhausting. I feel that I'm learning more and I'm more dedicated now that I don't have any social engagements moving out. So. That- <laughs> It's like somewhat of a silver lining, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. I mean, I sometimes feel that I'm reading too much and I I don't know if that's a thing of reading too much, but I feel that I'm studying more than usual, which I feel is a good thing. So you're actually actually doing the readings instead of... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, don't call me out, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm probably calling out like 75% of the class with that, so... Oh, yeah. I think everybody is on it. I mean, that's the best possible way to pass your time and like be informed and stay motivated. Otherwise, I mean, I look forward to it, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of why I took up this podcast because I had so much time to do it and so much free time to kill. But everyone, everyone finds their own, I guess, venue to sort of find ways to just sort of kill time like this. Yes. Uh, Yes. So before we go off any more on that tangent, uh, <laughs> I want to come come back and focus more on you here. So uh, you're an international student from India. So uh, as there are probably a, many students, many prospective students out there that are going to be coming from international backgrounds, I was hoping to get more of an idea of how it was for you as a student growing up in India and learning more about uh, what your sort of undergraduate uh, career was, as well as your first sort of uh, I guess, job descriptions prior to Marshall. Great. So, um, so I, uh, Fed, I'm, as you might know, I'm a finance person and mm-hmm. I have a background in finance. Uh, I'm a chartered accountant from India, which is a licensed equivalent to a CPA in the U.S. markets. 
So I grew up in a town called Faridabad that's close to Delhi and Delhi is the capital of India and I had like a suburb kind of an upbringing and my schooling and my early years were from that town. And uh, as part, so very early on, I realized that finance is my true calling because I hated science and I knew I could not do that. <laughs> so, so you hate science, you're good at the math stuff. And so yes, finance I mean, was obviously. Absolutely. And like my <laughs> method of elimination, I knew that, you know, finance has to be my thing because I was not good at any of it. And it was kind of a circle for me that I was good at maths and finance and all the accounts. So I liked it and I liked it because I was good at it. So it yep. was kind of a circle for me. And, um, and I feel that my parents had an influence in that too, because both of them are finance professionals. And no I, coincidence I just, there. Absolutely. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I grew up in that background, observing that industry very closely. And very early on, I decided to take this license course to chartered accountancy. As part of my coursework, I was supposed to do a three-year full-time paid internship. And I recruited- Three years? Months. Yeah, three years. Uh, it was called an internship, but it was actually like a full-time job. It sounds like um, a full-time job. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I recruited with Ernst & Young at a very early age of 19. Okay. And I was interning with them for three years. I, I got my license in 2014. And then I continued to stay with Ernst & Young. And, and with EY, I was with uh, their audit division. So over a couple of years, I ended up leading teams. And I was you know dealing with all kinds of financial statements for listed and non-listed companies whether, from different sectors, whether it's retail, technology, telecom, uh, you know, CPG clients. And I had like a vast exposure of financial statements. And at that point in time in my career, I wanted to, you know, kind of see and learn about the business holistically and not just limit myself to the financial statements. Uh, so perfect opportunity with Accenture's internal audit came my way. I had a passion for tech because that was somewhat kind of my, you know, forte in Ernst Young as well. And mm. Accenture on uh, internal audit, it was a kind of a semi-management consulting kind of a role where all my clients were all global entities of Accenture and we were providing all kinds of advisory services to them. So it was either, yeah, it was either, you know, managing risk within teams or just, you know, increasing functional efficiency or restructuring a project or just, mm -hmm. you know, reviewing all the budgeted forecasted financial statements. And it was more holistic in a role and it was still advisory slash consulting, I would say, but I loved my time with Accenture as well. And, uh, you know, throughout my tenure of over eight years, including my internship, of course. So I had, <laughs> I that's, had, that's still crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah, I had this opportunity of speaking to some of the um, most amazing professionals out there. Mm -hmm. And over a period of time, I realized that I wanted to be a very, uh, you know, sought after looked, looked out for leader. And I felt that M that's, it's my time to do an MBA mm -hmm. and it's, Personally, it took me like six months to make up my mind and assess whether MBA would be the right, you know, move for me in my career because I was working in a matured industry back in India. And, uh, you know, I, I was promoted back to back in both my companies. I was doing well. And, you know, it made it, I had to really justify myself in my thought process yeah. that whether MBA should be, you know, the right thing for me or not, it, whether it is the right thing for me or not. I mean, and, yeah. even, even like full-time versus part-time or online, I'm sure too. Absolutely. So there were so many 
decisions that I had to take myself in my head and like convince myself whether I should take that plunge or not. And after carefully assessing all these, you know, parameters, thinking what I want to achieve in the long run, taking a holistic picture of my own career and my aspirations, mm-hmm. I decided that it's time for me to take an MBA. And here I am <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, right. this morning. <laughs> okay. So I guess before we go more into, I guess, the, uh, the decision-making with that, I kind of wanted to, I guess, review a bit more about the EY Accenture stuff. So you said you were with the audit team with EY. Yes. So was that more, you were on like the tech side, meaning that you were working with a bunch of different companies helping like do like just do random audits and stuff or uh, was this on the consulting side? uh, So it's a bit tricky to be like clearly defined, I would say. Mm -hmm. So audits is something where it's, it's a statutory requirement in most of the countries that I know of. So um, all the uh, regulatory authorities require all companies to be audited by a licensed CA. So I was doing the statutory work, which was kind of a compliance that companies had to comply with. Gotcha. Um, and uh, it was, it had all the aspects of consulting. We were client facing, aggressive, fast moved, yep. think on your feet, very pleasant personality. And like everything that you need in a consulting job, it was there, but it was still audited. Doing the auditing tax audit. Yes. So, it, so was, it was technical consult, like technical management consulting. If Yeah. That's the term. I mean, the consultants might hate me for that, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you need like a CPA for that or? Um, I'm a CA, which is a license in India. Okay. Similar to a CPA here yeah. in the US. Okay. I wasn't sure that there was like a difference in CPA or it was just called CPA throughout or not. So yeah, cool. it's called a CA in India and CPA here. Perfect. I guess that is, does that translate to the US at all for you or is that something that you had to take again, take all those tests again I, to I, do the CPA I here? Yeah, so the coursework is pretty similar. I checked that online on the CPA website, but I would have to take the exams again. That sounds and fun. Yes, yes. But uh, CA, uh, CAs from India would know that there is a memorandum of association, or I don't know, they call it an MOU, which is memorandum of understanding between other nations where they can just wave off a few exams and take only a certain number, maybe two or four, and oh. still get a CPA. I think with Australia, we have that. But with US, we don't have that. Uh, you know, understanding in place as of now. So, okay. yeah. That's pretty I, neat. I, uh, I, I know very little about the whole accounting life, so <laughs> it's cool, cool to learn about that. <laughs> uh, and then you said you went to Accenture and you did a more internal audit, which means that you're no longer going out to these outside-facing companies. You're dealing with just different uh, parts of Accenture, essentially. Yes. Like so, different teams um, within. Yes. So, um, n- with EY, I had different companies, different industries. With Accenture, I had different Accenture entities. So I was, one project was Accenture Australia, the other was Accenture yep. Abu Dhabi, the other was Chicago. So different offices and locations, but the industry and the, you know, the business model remain more or less the same. Okay. Just yeah. wanted to make sure I was understanding that right too. So. Absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. No worries. <laughs> Um, so you decided you wanted to go pursue an MBA mainly because your mentors throughout all these years of interning and being a full-time employee, uh, mm-hmm. they always exemplify good leadership skills and that's something that you wanted to help sort of build and foster within your own education. Absolutely. Like in that part, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I did- think leadership was one. And the second was that I was looking 
something that was more into corporate finance and had to do with consulting. So I, over the years, I realized different aspects in both my jobs, which I loved and I wanted to continue, but I, mm-hmm. I wanted to merge them together. And at that point in time, when I was applying for jobs that had those skill sets and wanted that, the job description always said that they need an MBA. Gotcha. So, okay. So that was my trigger. Okay. I need to get an MBA to get this job and pursue my career. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so now we definitely know why the MBA was definitely the logical choice here. Uh, yeah. So I guess coming from international though, what sort of made uh, US, I guess, a target for you to come to as an international student? And also on top of that, why was USC sort of the become ended up being the front runner in that department? Absolutely. I think um, I chose US to do my MBA because in my head and my research also says that uh, US schools, like the USB schools are the best when it comes to MBA education. And uh, typically coming from an Asian background with Asian parents, we kind of lay a lot of stress on education and the quality of, you know, coursework and tutorials that we get. So my research indicated that these schools are one of the top, you know, highly ranked schools out there globally Mm -hmm. and the quality of experience that they provide. And I went to points and cons and other resources available online and all, all the, you know, reviews and feedback said that the experience that a USB school gives is unmatched and unparalleled. So US was definitely an obvious choice for me in that case. And with Marshall, I think I have a number of reasons why I chose Marshall. I think one, um, it has to be the Trojan Network. I know um, everybody who is associated with USC speaks about it. It's been brought up a few times already on here. So (laughs) (laughs) So I'd love to hear more about it. (laughs) Absolutely. But I'd like to share an interesting, you know, a perspective from an international student. So coming from Asia and typically India, we talk about community and culture and we know it exists in like in it, like subconsciously we admire it and we are a part of it but when it comes to you know as a selling point and when we when i reached out to these schools and they said that our community and culture is very strong it came to me like my thought process and my uh, you know background told me that it is just a selling point and it might not be true it is i mean we Fair. don't do not believe that it is real but I can vouch for it one year into the program that this is for real. The Trojan network is for real. And I think uh, I suddenly observed it in many occasions. And one of them was at one of the day on the jobs with one of the leading, com- at one of the leading companies in LA. And when I stepped into that ballroom where there were different tables set up and there were different schools from LA and California who were visiting that day on the job, I could see like, I could distinguish a USC table with other tables. The other tables, the people on those tables were just like silent and all like, you know, professional, not talking to each other. And the USC tables were so chatty, noisy. <laughs> and immediately I wanted to be on that table and like have that conversation and then banter mm-hmm. even before that, you know, event started. So I just see and feel that whole togetherness. And apart from that, I mean, even early on in term one, and by the time I reached term two, I knew almost everybody in my class and even in the second years. And I'm sure everybody knew me, if not my story or my background, but my name and my face and that mm-hmm. I'm from this score. And like, we, we acknowledge each other's presence and we kind of accept that we are friends and we are a part of the same class. Yep. And when I spoke to my other friends and peers in other colleges, and when I say other B schools, I say 
all the top leading these schools, they don't even know who their classmates are till the time they graduate. So, which was something very surprising for me. And I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> so, so the Trojan network is definitely real. Uh, whoever is listening to me and is, I mean, the Asians, I, I'm sure pretty much would relate to what I'm saying. And trust me, I can vouch for it. And if you have any questions on that, even after the podcast, if anybody's listening to me, I'm happy to answer that. But this is for real. Yeah, uh, that's actually really sound advice. I mean, given that our class is typically not as large as other of the top business schools, that really like makes it that much more of a close connections that you make here. So Absolutely. I I can resonate with that, that I pretty much like made it a point to get to know everyone. And I feel like we've all done a good job of everyone pretty much knows everyone at this point. Uh, which for us is only a good thing because it only builds a stronger network rather than something where it's, you just see their name and where they went to college and just assume that you, you must know them from somewhere. <laughs> I, I think um, it, like, like on a candid note, I would say that our community was built with an, in, like, I mean, the three pillars which helped us build this community was one, the intention to know each other and, you know, be in, uh, be in it together. Second, mm. you, the, the MJS team, the other club teams, and everybody who organized those events, you know, day in, day out, and like kept that whole hustle happening on campus. That's second. And the third has to be White Claws. I'm sorry. I'm, <laughs> it has to go out there. I mean, White Claws was our major point of, you know, common shared interest. So it's, it's pretty much the glue that's held this entire class together. <laughs> <laughs> Through bad times and good times. <laughs> Cordy and White Claws. That's about it. <laughs> I'm also yeah. like at that day in the job you mentioned, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I was at that day in the job too. And I know exactly what you're talking about, but that could also be another day at the job. I have no idea. <laughs> it could be the same one. It could be a different one entirely, but yeah, it's pretty off, obvious. Off the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so coming back to why Marshall one was definitely the Trojan network and I kind of felt it like whoever is applying right now would feel it that the response time, the turnaround time to questions and the, you know, the genuinity of advice the children's give right now to prospective students is, you know, the turnaround time is lower and the quality is way higher than the other B schools and people who are, all the students who are right now applying would definitely agree to this. Mm -hmm. So that's one. I think the second that completely stood out to me was the gender issue. I mean, um, when I came in in Marshall, 50%, almost 50% of her class is women, yep. which for me in a very subconscious way was very empowering to see. And it was, it was very interesting to see different perspectives, uh, you know, come in class being shared uh, from different experiences that women had from all over the world. And uh, even now that we're progressing into our second year, I see a lot of leadership positions being taken by women, which is a very healthy practicing ground for future roles to be taken post MBA. Yep. And I felt this again and the realization again happened in one of the company events where I was, you know, speaking to a lot of other uh, B school candidates and most of them were male and I did not see that healthy mix in the gender ratio or just being inclusive in, in terms of DNI. So definitely Marshall stood out to me in that. And um, I mean, third, definitely LA. I feel that I've always been a city girl. I 
I always want luxuries and like convenience and <laughs> I mean, I don't want to, uh, you know, go in uh, Northern Carolina and do my B school there, where it takes me like three flights back home. Like I wanted that. You oh know, wow! Yeah. Okay. That's that totally different. <laughs> absolutely. I I don't want want to take a six hour bus ride to the nearest airport because that's the only mode of transport. I mean, that that's a personal choice I made. I mean, definitely, LA stood out to me in terms of you know, convenience, connectivity, just mm-hmm. how LA is diverse in its way. Coming from India, I, I, I knew I would have regular Indian food cravings. So I knew there were a lot of Indian restaurants here. So, so. You, you checked out sort of like the local cuisine options. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and then there's like Mexican and Thai and then, you know, Korean barbecues and then Chinese hot pot and Indian uh, restaurants. There's so much to offer. I knew I would never get bored. So I just knew LA had everything that I was looking for from a personal preference point of view. So USC was my calling. As a tangent on food, I don't know. I feel like I was thinking about this recently about like how there's <laughs> like so much like diverse food over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with the show Top Chef? Um, I want to say yes, but I have to say no. <laughs> so I guess, I, I don't know. My girlfriend got me to start watching Top Chef recently. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> <laughs> it's still it's still tangent. We can cut this out if we need to, otherwise it works. Okay. But there's there's one part in the episode, like the new season is happening in LA uh-huh. or it was recorded in LA. Um and so one of the things they do is they have a list of like a hundred and one of this supposed like really famous food critics' favorite restaurants. Okay. Um so like a famous LA food critic who had like a hundred and one top restaurants and they are like all over the map in terms of like uh price as well as types of food types of cuisine and stuff. And so mm-hmm. it was like a good healthy mix of like Indian restaurants, Korean restaurants, Ethiopian restaurants. Wow. And it's like really well spread across the board. So uh, I'm going to try to find that list later on in the episode so I can send that over to you because after this is all up, it, it'd be a good list for you to sort of like peruse through. Be honest. Great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah. <laughs> on that note, I would like to highlight one more point. Good. Um, I'm a vegetarian when it comes to eating preferences. So mm-hmm. I, I do not eat meat. And I knew that LA was one city that would offer me a lot of vegan and vegetarian options. I have traveled, you know, I had the opportunity to travel to other states and it, it was a little difficult for me to like manage the food situation unless I'm cooking. And if you're traveling for like three days, it's very difficult to like, you know, stock in food and cook for yourself. I, I mean, if that makes sense. So, I mean, me personally, no, but because <laughs> I'm not vegetarian, but I could see yeah. how it could be a struggle if you were somewhere that doesn't really traditionally cater to a lot of like yes the more healthier aspects of food, which LA definitely does. I- okay, yeah. So if you said that meat is healthy, I would like to contradict that vegetarian food is also healthy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what I meant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I feel you. I, I I understand. Different sort of diets than what people yes. are, I guess, standardly do. So, <laughs> fine. Yeah. Okay. And the list is Jonathan Gold's 101 best restaurants. Okay, I, I'm gonna note this down. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a whole 101 list of just a bunch of places in LA. So it 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 looked really cool, and it looked like a lot of really good places on there. So definitely something to check out. Um, Great. But before we keep going on random segues, uh, <laughs> I want to, so we, we know why you picked Marshall. We know why sort of business school was the right move for you. Uh, before we dive a little more deeper into how your experience has been so far though, I want to take a chance to sort of uh, bring you into a quick trivia round. Sure. Uh, so traditionally uh, I try to pick the trivia based on where people are from or what they mm-hmm. did prior to uh, coming to grad school. I was trying to find like consulting 
trivia, but that that just led me down a path of nonsense. Uh, so <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna go with trivia about okay. India. Um, okay. I did trivia with India with another guest already. I want to say it was shoot. It wasn't on kit. Who did I do it with? I did it with someone and I asked like I found these Indian trivia questions that were just stupidly hard. Okay. <laughs> and, okay. <laughs> um and I didn't even understand them. So I decided to go somewhere else. <laughs> so okay. I found what hopefully I found what hopefully are like easier <laughs> questions for you because that was just not fun the first time around. Um, <laughs> Okay, the oh. listeners would just feel that I'm not authentically Indian if I fail to answer your questions. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to each their own. We we've had some people that haven't done well in like the where they're from questions, so you won't be alone to be honest. Honestly, I mean, I want to be famous, but I don't want to be mean content. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it it was Mathi. Mathi is the one okay. that I okay. asked the really unfair questions to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It, it was it was bad. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> your your questions would be much easier than hers. Uh, so, what in India? What is the smallest state? Goa. That is correct. See, I told you. I told you these were easier. I I, I can't even like begin to explain what her questions were like. You'll have to okay. listen to the episode and be like, "What the hell is he asking?" Um, what are the names of the three bordering seas of India? So not oceans, seas. So Indian oceans, not. Not up a bordering sea. Uh, uh, There's there's three. No idea. No. Uh, It says the Arabian Sea. Oh, I know Arabian Indian Ocean (laughs) Lakshadweep. No, not Lakshadweep. Something else. (laughs) And there's two more. Is this Indian Ocean, Bay of Bengal, and Arabian Sea? So the bay is the bay. So there's, there's, there's ocean, there's bay, and there's sea. There's three seas, and then there's one bay and one ocean. So Indian Ocean doesn't count. The Bay of Bengal doesn't count. So there's three that are called something sea. One's the Arabian Sea. Okay, I didn't do anything to deserve this. I <laughs> 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 Um The Andaman Sea mm-hmm. and the Lakadiv Sea. Lakadiv? Okay, Lakshwadeep. That that sounds better. <laughs> uh, those are those are the three C's apparently. Okay. So, um, yeah. Okay. I I, I get you. <laughs> can you name? When was this quiz made? I want to make sure there wasn't any something like geopolitical changes happening. Okay. Uh, Two thousand nineteen. That's close enough. What are the names of the six bordering countries of India? Pakistan, Nepal, China, Bhutan, Myanmar, Bangladesh. That's all of them. Yep. <laughs> Not in the order I had them, so I had to jump around a little bit. So okay. <laughs> that was all correct, though. Yes. <laughs> um, so we have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Bring mm. it on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> How about that one let's do that one the five largest cities in india can you name the top five delhi 
I imagine the first few are going to be easy for you. It's just about getting to number five. So Delhi was one. What was the second one? Mumbai. Yep. Bangalore. Chennai. Uh, Calcutta. Calcutta. Yeah. Okay. You got them all. <laughs> so those are all the top five. Yes. <laughs> oh God, this is stressful. <laughs> Say you didn't do that bad. You got like three of these. Yeah. <laughs> Mafi did not do that well because I set her up to fail, but that's oh. my own that's my own fault. <laughs> I feel so sorry for her. <laughs> I, sh- I, I feel bad for those questions. I, you should go listen to that one. It's funny. Yeah, Mati uh, is intelligent. She's she's very well read and she's you know she stays up to date. I, she's one of my favorite people in the program. Oh yeah, no, she probably would have aced all these ones too. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the questions I was pulling were like, where the f- who the hell knows any of this it was like uh oh man it was like what act of india was the one that abolished slavery or something it was like the act of something 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 is the one that abolished slavery in india yeah i know and i was like (laughs) it's like 1833 i was like no no one's gonna know that (laughs) oh man so Thank you for not doing that to me. Yeah, I mean, you're welcome, but I'm going to have to answer to her later, I'm sure, when she hears yeah. how easy you got it. Uh, so, yeah, now that we've had a little break for trivia, we'll, we'll want to dive more into talking about, I guess, your experience with Marshall specifically now, now that we're about halfway through our journey here at grad school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first, we want to note that you're actually the president of a club here at Marshall, uh, mm-hmm. the South Asian Business Association. So first of all, I want to congratulate you. Thank Congratulate you. you on that. So that's that's huge. Uh, so curious to hear more about what your duties as president of this club are and what your current vision is for how you see this club, I guess, continuing and evolving for the next year. Great. So thank you for this question. So, um, so the South Asian Business Association, commonly known as SABA, is one of the DNI slash affinity clubs on campus, which promotes, you know, uh, the whole community and fostering togetherness between all the South Asians. However, this club is not just restricted to the South Asians, but also to everybody on campus who's part of Marshall and Mm -hmm. not just full-time, but also part-time or other, you know, other programs within Marshall as well. So that's one. Second, um, the whole idea behind this was to just, you know, uh, you know, going back, we realized that we were we were a few people together who, who come from a rich, you know, cultural background, and we are very diverse in a way, in a very different way. Like the northern part of India is very different from the southern part of India, and we have our different cultures and anecdotes, languages, festivals. Yep. We wanted to just come together and be be there for each other, and just spread that word and that awareness within the program and otherwise about how you know how rich our culture has been. So. That's the sole point of Saba. But going a step ahead, we help each other in professional de- development and just navigating through career choices. We conduct a lot of, uh, you know, workshops uh, on resume reviews or how to, you know, manage networking or tips, you know, to just, you know, overcome this whole culture shock, which some of us might be facing yep. as we transition into a U.S. lifestyle. So it it is, it is, I mean, my slogan for the year is to create a home away from home for everybody. I like that. Yeah. So it's everything and anything that you need. We we are here for you when it comes to, you know, just navigating through LA or just finding housing 
or maybe food choices or just professional, um, you know, career advice in terms of resume or, you know, mock interviews, even after that networking etiquettes, how to write thank you notes, just, you know, overcoming anything, any kind of shyness, being that mm-hmm. encouraging and motivating, staying, you know, on track and having frequent checkpoints to show, make sure that, you know, we're making the most out of that MBA experience. Yeah. I really, I really like that home away from home motto. That really speaks true to like how like you want to sort of make yeah. them feel like they're welcome here in the U.S. and you want to sort of take away from that, I guess, that culture shock by just sort of like setting up a, a nice little community for them to sort of assimilate into as well as introducing them to the rest of us since we're all allowed to join too. Yes, absolutely. You have to join us. Yes. So, <laughs> so having said that, I think uh, early on in my first year, I reached out to a lot of second years who were very helpful to me in navigating you know, and helping me navigate through all the choices I had to make. Uh-huh. And I want to, you know, keep that uh, spirit alive and paid forward by doing the same to the incoming class and even, you know, the classes after that. So that's one. And then uh, I feel that um, we, uh, some of us might feel homesick. So we're always there. We have, like, I'm, I keep on, you know, harping on the fact that we, we are there for each other in, you know, in hard times and in good times. We celebrate you know, smaller achievements of everybody who's who's a part of this group and otherwise as well. And then whether it's a birthday or a potluck or just having dinners or just, you know, getting together and chatting and like discussing all all important matters that are going in school. So that's what Saba does and being associated with it has helped me feel a little less homesick, if I may say so. So I feel that I want to, you know, keep that culture going on and keep this brand strong and you know be you know associate this with a lot of support and encouragement yeah of course that's amazing i love that <laughs> and i also like the all the parties you guys have too because you guys have the diwali party and stuff as oh, yeah well, so. <laughs> so we we have two flagship events every year one is diwali and the other is holy diwali was huge large scale and i guess you attended that you were there right oh yeah i was definitely there <laughs> that was that was awesome Absolutely. And um, with Holi, we didn't quite make it large scale this year because of the whole uncertainty around COVID. It was really bad timing. Yeah. It was like right when everything was starting to ramp up. Ramp up. Yes. So, but we, we cherish our food. We celebrate our festivals. We celebrate the joy, the bond and, you know, just the community itself. So that's what Saba does. Great. Uh, so obviously a, a great club to be a part of. I encourage everyone to sort of join that. I believe that's on the Affinity Club, which yeah. is like the cheap one that everyone can sort of join for like <laughs> 20 bucks and join whichever one they want, which is to encourage everyone to sort of in, get involved in all these clubs, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, so transitioning from that to, I guess, more about you and your career for Marshall, at least. Uh, yeah. So we know that you sort of had some things that you liked about the different consult or different audit consulting jobs that you had. Uh, mm-hmm. but you still want to sort of focus more on finance and yeah. get more leadership exposure. So what, I guess, classes and I guess clubs, including Saba, uh, mm-hmm. have you found the most helpful in sort of positioning you to meet those long-term career goals for yourself? So uh, with terms of classes, I think the core classes were really helpful to just brush up what I, you know, studied in the past. Mm-hmm. And I know for a lot of classmates, there were new subjects and there were subjects and coursework that was, relatively very helpful for them because they it those courses really help them build the foundation for those subject matters so the core classes definitely stand out for me but in terms of electives my favorite right now is the project management one with by professor murad weiss okay i feel that uh, the energy he brings in class the passion he you know 
displays when he talks about the subject, you know, just makes me feel so happy and I look forward to attending those classes. It's, uh, I feel that everybody in Marshall should sign up for that elective class because sooner or later we would be having our own teams and, you know, having our own projects and trying yeah. to, you know, manage everything administratively and operationally. And I feel that this course would really be handy at that point in time. So mm -hmm. definitely, definitely uh, highly recommend this course for everybody. And that's so far my favorite class. Okay. I think I was trying to sign up for that one for the summer, but I think it filled up pretty much immediately, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I think I missed that boat on that one, but yeah. definitely looking to do that in the future, because like you said, it, it can be used in any sort of industry, any sort of function. Everyone's going to have a project. Everyone's going to have to have some sort of managerial positioning and have be able to sort of balance all those different aspects. So Absolutely. it's definitely a key skill that I think everyone can sort of benefit from. Absolutely. Um, so I guess final question I have for you then is mm -hmm. since we know this podcast is going to be directed towards some of our first year and prospective students coming to Marshall. Uh, if you were to go back to term one, so going back about, I don't know, was that eight months now? Uh, <laughs> eight, nine months almost. Uh, is there anything that you would have approached differently uh, now that we're at that halfway point? Um, I wish I had done my summer readings. Uh, <laughs> because Openly when, admitting to that. <laughs> our term one was, it felt like I'm drinking from like five, five houses at one point in time. I was barely sleeping. And at one point in time, I was questioning my decision of an MBA. And I was like, mm -hmm. nobody told me it's going to be so much hard work and so much studying. They all probably be partying and like networking and being social. <laughs> sitting here doing all these readings and trying to, you know, come up with different points so that I speak in class to get all the class participation. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think um, in hindsight, I feel that had I been more prepared in terms of summer readings, I would have been much like a lot more, it would, it would have been a much, oh God, what am I trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so fine. it would have been much more easier for me to navigate term one, mm -hmm. but that's just, you know, one tip I would like to give everybody out there uh, you know, to just ease your term one because it's a lot to have. Yeah. Term, term one is nothing like the other terms, but it is something that is truly going to challenge the way that your time management skills are. It's really going to test whether they're, you're good at that or not, really. Absolutely. I mean, uh, sometimes I think about it as setting expectations. The program office really set term one as the most exhausting term so that everything else seems fine and doable and manageable. So it's strategically very smart <laughs> yeah well true too yes so i just feel that it just gets better with time and as as you you know as you keep moving in the program it just gets better you get the hang of things and it's much more easier to manage it's almost weird that our classes now are shorter than what our classes were during term one it feels weird that our classes then were like almost an hour 45 minutes i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, i totally forgot about that Absolutely. And then term one was uh, typically very challenging for me because I was trying to navigate this new housing situation personally. And even on campus, I wanted to, you know, uh, be prepared for all class participation, but also be shown in all the parties and events and social gatherings that happen after school. And, you know, everybody, you know, kind of craves to be heard and seen in term one and to meet new people and for people to know them. So. Mm managing uh, the academics along with your social commitments and aspirations along with i remember the careers uh, career services did this amazing series of having speakers from different industries every friday 
which helps you to narrow down what you want to do and where you want to pursue. Mm -hmm. So, you know, swallowing all that information and digesting which ones you really want to. So that became a lot. So it was like academics, career, social gathering. So a lot happens. And I feel that if you have a lot of your administrative things figured out early on or do your readings in time or just, you know, have a little more clarity. Yeah. That would have been much more better. But I mean, this is something that I feel that I could have done better, but I'm not sure if I would have done it. If you had a second chance. With yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch, you're going to have readings coming into your classes again for whatever, fall semester and yes. same old, same. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then, um, the other thing that I would have done differently was be a little less shy. I feel that I was very shy in the beginning. I had a lot of great talking points, but uh, it took me a lot of courage to raise my hand in speaking class. Mm -hmm. And uh, over time, I realized that everybody respects all the you know opinions and points that they share in class. And everybody is mindful and is very respective about the fact that you have your own set of experiences. So it took me a lot. I mean, if I go back, I would probably take lesser time to adapt to this U.S. style of classroom teaching, like the case-based teaching. Yeah. And I feel that that would have been a much better experience. That and get ready for cold calls because they'll yeah. they'll come whether you want them to or not. <laughs> uh, that's only a handful of times, though. Uh, but that about wraps up the questions that I had for you today, Priya. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is sort of the end of our show now. So I want to first thank you for being a part of the show. It's been great to hear about sort of uh, your aspect of Indian culture, as well as the sort of interesting route that you've taken to sort of get to this point of coming for your MBA. I think the one that still sticks out to me is that three-year internship. I can't really get past <laughs> how that's considered an internship and not just a full-time job at that point. Yeah. But I guess that's just its own, its own sort of niche thing at that point. So. It is how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before I let you go, uh, as a thank you for joining me today and being a part of this sort of launching point for the Marshall podcast, which still needs a name, uh, uh, I want to give you the floor here to have uh, about a minute, minute to yourself to sort of promote whatever is important to you, whether you want to continue to endorse Saba uh any other clubs that you like at Marshall anything that's personal to you like a charity or whether you want to like shout out the people that you just want to shout out to or anything like that the floor is yours so let the people know it absolutely so first of all thank you for having me here and giving me this platform to share my experiences and my perspective with all the incoming and prospective students out there so uh one, I feel that the program office and the MGSA community and all the second years, big shout out to them. They have been really instrumental in me, you know, taking over my MBA experience and making it holistic. I feel that without their support and help, encouragement and just being there, the fact I wouldn't have been able to navigate this as smoothly as I have. Uh, second, I feel all my classmates, they, they have like amazing experiences, interesting angles and takes on different aspects and matters that's happening around it's always inspiring to hear them in class and see what they have uh you know to say so mm. they they are my source of encouragement and i there are days when i don't look look you know going to school for classes but just to meet my friends and all these amazing people out there so shout out to all my classmates and definitely um all my mentors uh out there whether it's the ncsc club or saba or any other professional club Mm -hmm. And just, I would just take a moment to, uh, you know, I don't know, create awareness about how resourceful the Marshall community is. 
out there, whether it's the professional clubs, whether it's MCSB or HTA or other, you know, professional clubs like marketing and DEA or other, you know, social clubs and affinity clubs or just recreational clubs like wine club and the mindful martial ones. And then we definitely have the Gwib and then we have Saba and then we have Gabs. Uh, a lot of clubs. A lot yeah. of clubs. <laughs> So we have something to something and a lot to offer to everybody out there. You just have to reach out. The martial communities has a lot of resources and it has something or the other to offer to each one of us, depending on our taste. So I think I'm proud of being a Trojan and <laughs> just, you know, having this whole experience of doing an MBA with such an amazing, you know, community. Amazing. Well, again, thank you for joining us on the show. That was a, a lovely sort of uh, platform that you did there. Uh, so that's all the time we have for tonight's episode, folks. Uh, I've been your host, Fed McDermott. And once again, want to thank you, Priya Gupta, for joining us for a uh, lovely chat just now. Uh, and as we wind things down and close things up for tonight, the song you've selected is High Rated Gabru. Gabru? Yeah. <laughs> close enough? Okay. By Guru Randawa. Oh, perfect. Thank you for having me and thank you for song. Yes. <laughs> all right. So that's been all for tonight, folks, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. See you. Thank you. <laughs> हाई रेटेड गबरू नू मारे हाथी मुंडे पागल हो गए ने तेरे गिन गिन लक दे हुलारे तेरी टेडी टेडी तकनी कमाल कर गई अखाना अखाना तू सवाल कर गई हाँ हाँ तेरी टेडी टेडी तकनी कमाल कर गई अखाना अखाना तू सवाल कर गई अखाना अखाना तू सवाल कर गई बेली Take पहला तुम्हारे हाई हाय नखरा तेरा नी हाई रेटेड गबरू रुमारे हाई मुंडे पागल हो गए ने तेरे गिन गिन लक दे हुलारे
baby, you're the one. Kinni soni lagdi, song hai rabdi. You harder than the sun. Haan, sachi machi hoon te nu love karda. Dil wali gal keno dil darda. Baan mere baan mere queen soniye. Dekh kala jata tera king wariga. Hani hai nakra tera ni. Hai rate de gabru rumare hai munde pagal ho. Hula.